Welcome, everybody, to the Mental Health Hour. And welcome in for episode 44 of the Mental Health Hour. Tonight, tonight we will be discussing our second episode of CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. Um, and we'll be focusing on cognitive distortions. So... That being said, welcome everybody coming on in. Uh, let me make sure my comments are going. Yes. And uh, welcome to all of the replay viewers on Twitch, YouTube, wherever you may be. And hello, Gemma. How are you? Hello. Um, not too bad. Not too bad. All considering with a somewhat disastrous uh, day, it's not too bad. Yes, um, seems the surgery saga continues. It um, does. It very we'll get much. into that um, in a little bit. However, uh, tonight, uh, it actually kind of fits right in with our topic tonight. So It does, uh, but it wasn't planned, trust me. <laughs> so well, let's actually, let's start off with a little update there um, if you don't mind um, just filling us in on what happened with today oh yeah no worries so I was supposed to be going to get it turned on the device um, I was given a handset when I had the surgery that I was supposed to take with me which would be connected that's what I was told we got in and straight away the nurse says you have a permanent SNS, don't you? I went, yep. And she went, well, you've got the wrong handset. Okay. And after quite a while of like discussing it and trying to locate where I could get the correct one from with the receiver, I said, what about the battery charger? And she goes, oh, did you opt for the rechargeable one? I went, yep. So she looked on my records and it said uh, that I'd been implanted with an interstim, which is the name of all of the devices. There are three options. They're all called interstim. So she says, that's helpful. It doesn't tell me which one. And she says, if by any chance they haven't documented this on your notes, the only way we can tell what they've implanted is to take it out and look. And I'm like, no way, please don't do that to me. Luckily, they put a sticker on my notes. That, that There's like a sticker that comes with the battery. And they stuck it to my notes. It didn't, again, say which battery it was. However, it did have like a lock code on. So she had to ring the supplier, uh, Medtronic. And they confirmed that it was the wrong battery that they'd implanted in me and that I would, without any doubt, need surgery to replace the battery. Because of how high I have it, it's probably not going to last that long. But um, it does explain why it's hurting me a lot, because the battery that is inside me is a lot bigger. So, yeah, I have to have surgery yet again to have the battery, re, re, like, changed over. I have said that I would have it rather have it sooner rather than later so I can get used to the thing that I'm going to be living with. And because I don't know where I'm going to be three years from now, at least now I know that I've got somebody that will look after Thomas and everything else. So, you know. But I do have now the correct things, so this is the thing that controls it. It is literally just a phone. It's not turned on. And then that's the um, receiver. It's a Bluetooth thing, so it connects this to this, and this connects quite literally to my butt. Mm. And I, I have a Bluetooth device in my backside, basically. So, yeah, and that will control it. That will turn it on. And um, I now have to go on Friday and have it turned on. It will keep me going for now. But, yes, I will have to have surgery in the near future to change it again. Again. 
Again, we've got to go through all that all over again. That being said, um, it does actually bring in a good point uh, for tonight's episode um, of Cognitive Distortions. Um, and we'll get into that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, let's welcome everybody in. How's everybody doing tonight? It's good to see everybody. Aiden, Tracy, mm-hmm. and uh, Hattie, welcome in. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, welcome to all of you guys coming in. We really appreciate everybody uh, still supporting the show. And uh, can't wait to get... <laughs> go, go ahead with it, Gemma. That hamster <laughs> needs to get in his wheel. Um, so, tonight... We have, at, hello at Michael Joseph Murray. I don't see Michael. Uh, anywho, I want to start with a little bit of a review kind of on what we talked about, essentially, um, you know, break it down. In the first episode of Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, we talked a little bit about the basics. So the basics uh, being um, the ABCs basically. So what is cognitive behavioral therapy? And that is quite simply, uh, and it's an activating event. I mean, cognitive behavioral therapy as a whole is a way of, um, treating different types of, of different, of, um, mental health issues. Um, we, it's a way of looking at things. So, when you when you're looking at the activating events, then you go to um, the belief. So you take an activating event. Uh, the hamster is now in the ball. Okay. Yeah. Uh, a. It then that's your activating event. The hamster is now in the ball. Um, it then goes from uh, uh, to the B, which is beliefs. Um, now. A depressed person might think, well, it's still going to make a lot of noise and the show's going to be ruined. Mm-hmm. Um, but a not depressed person will tend to believe more along the lines of the hamster's happy. Uh, it, it More of a, you know, neutral or positive thought. The hamster's happy. Everything's yeah. all is well. Um, and then C <laughs> is consequences. Um and that Gemma's going to get into this slide, but I just wanted to bring that up briefly, mm-hmm. uh, uh, real quick, so that we could kind of go over what we talked about in the first episode of uh, cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, so, that being said, um, we will go ahead and start with uh, some slides. We'll we'll start here. Uh, Hello, Michael, Joseph Murray, based on the DSM, the Bible, psychology. Uh, The cognitive triangle. There's not much here, Gemma, but we we will get in. uh, I'll have you read off on Mm -hmm. uh, the next slide, which we just had up. Um, This is just an overall picture of of what CBT is. just uh, again, some more background, uh, some more review from our first episode. Uh, thoughts create feelings, which create behaviors, uh, the cognitive triangle. Mm-hmm. So, what does that mean, Gemma? Uh, we have good thoughts, we mm-hmm. have that in turn gives us some good feelings and produces good behaviors. Mm-hmm. We have rainy day thoughts, gloom and doom, everything sucks, then our feelings are going to always be in the depressed sense, uh, and our behaviors will will show from our feelings. You know, you you portray, uh, my wife always says it, um, when, when I'm in a bad mood, 
and she's in a good mood, uh, I bring her down because you literally, your feelings, you, you, you emit these vibes and you bring the other person uh, down with you. Mm-hmm. you know? mm-hmm. So uh, anything on this, Gemma, um, to add, uh, you know, thoughts, feelings, behaviors? It's true. And like, if I know that's a triangle, but if you can, if you get stuck in the, like the thoughts that are negative, and then that impacts your feelings and behaviors. It's kind of like a vicious circle mm-hmm. and it can go on and on and it can be really counterproductive. And yeah. you kind of emit those thoughts and feelings and behaviors onto other people, like you said, and you literally can become those thoughts and those feelings. And like, yeah, bring people down and it can totally affect everything that you do, which in turn will keep this vicious circle going and it'll just, it's really hard to snap out of. Absolutely. 100%. Um, so you kind of get into, uh, like Gemma said, a vicious circle. Um, mm-hmm. And that depression, so with your depressed person, um, the thoughts are always going to be negative, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the feelings will then also be negative, and the behaviors will just be negative. Everything's going to be negative, and and exactly like Gemma just described, it mm-hmm. just is just a, a, a vicious cycle. Um, now, this picture here uh, I found was um, uh, the the cognitive triangle but as Gemma was just talking about I have seen this in the uh, continuous circle format as well Mm -hmm. Um, so Gemma if you don't mind could you please take us through this next slide the ABCs Um, this is actually still a little bit of um, back log from uh, our episode previously on cognitive behavioral therapy Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the ABC of CBT. So the A's <laughs> is the activating events. So the world, other people, personal experiences, personal history, future, self. So that's like that's like the thing that can cause the thoughts, for example. Um, which is goes on to the B, the beliefs, which is the thoughts, the attitudes, rules, demands, meanings. Um, So, like, for example, a personal experience of something, something that you've experienced. If, like, like, for example, my surgery, when I go back and have this redone, am I going to automatically think, oh, well, they've done it wrong once before. What makes them what makes me think they're going to get it right this time? And then I'm automatically going in there with a negative thought and belief that they are going to just get it wrong again. Ah, uh, and, and now, and now, we have just tapped into our first cognitive distortion. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll get into that, which is the consequences, and it can affect your emotions, healthy feelings, unhealthy feelings, physical sensations. And behaviors, constructive action and destructive action. So, as I said, with the surgery and things, if I'm going in there automatically thinking that everything's going to go wrong, I'm going to be even more on edge. My mental state, my physical state is just going to be wrecked. I'm going to be as nervous as heck. I'm probably going to feel really, really unwell with it. And it's just going to impact the whole thing to the point where it might get that bad, where I'm too wound up and stressed to be able to even go through with it. So even though something has gone wrong once, as hard as it is, try not to automatically think that the same is going to happen again, no matter what it is, because that is as you said, a cognitive distortion of that. Mm -hmm. Just because it's happened once before doesn't mean it's going to happen again. There we go. You wanted to go on the next one? 
Yes, absolutely. Okay. I uh, just wanted to throw that in there into the chat. Um, what I want you guys to do uh, while we go through this. There's Betty. Betty E.G. Lyons there. She was on episode 22 with us. Um, South Alliance. Um, if you guys remember. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here. Um, yes. So, uh, thank you for taking us through this slide. That's a little bit of the backstory or uh, review, if you will, of what we went over in the first episode mm -hmm. in the cognitive behavioral therapy series. Um, now, moving forward, we got to talk about cognitive distortion because literally we, we talk about cognitive distortions really a lot. Um, and I feel like I say this every week we do this show. We talk about this a lot and don't even realize it. Uh, cognitive distortions are literally something that is uh, a part of our daily lives. Mm -hmm. um, just those bad, uh, cloudy thoughts. So what is a cognitive distortion? Mm -hmm. Start there. Cognitive distortion is a pattern of irrational thoughts uh, uh, where you, you're constantly thinking things are, um, what's the best way to put this? Uh, you're, you're viewing things negatively mm -hmm. um, and seeing them more negatively than they really are. Trying um, to predict the future or the outcome of the future yeah. with a negative, a, like a negative spin on it. And we do this in so many different ways. Um, we're going to go, we're going to, Gemma's going to take us through 15 examples. Um, these are, there's far more, um, but these are the top 15. These are the big uh, 15 that uh, everybody likes to uh, discuss in this type of um, format. Um, so just real quick uh, to make sure we understand. Hi, Molly. Welcome in. Good to see you. There's Molly. Um, and where was I? Oh, yes. The, the irrational thoughts, uh, it, it does develop into a pattern. And it will always, if you're in a constant state of depression without any um, medicated therapy or anything, uh, any kind of um, therapy for that matter, uh, any interventions, then you're just you're gonna fall back into that vicious uh, cycle, like Gemma was talking about earlier. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's start off with the first uh, set of cognitive distortions. Um, now these are uh, going to be posted on the Discord, and mm -hmm. uh, I may even throw them out on Twitter. Uh, just for the sake of, um, this is a very big topic in mm -hmm. um, in mental health. So, Gemma, take it away, please. Uh, we'll uh, as you go through, we'll we'll talk about uh, each one. Mm -hmm. right. Okay. So number one is polarized thinking. So that's when you have an all or nothing or a black and white thinking pattern desire to be perfect or you are a complete failure like again trying to forego like forget the, the future yeah thinking it's going to be negative thinking that you're going to fail something like for example if you've got a test or an exam oh there's no point i'll fail it anyway or um it's all going to go wrong they're not going to do anything um you know th that sort of thing uh, number two, mental filtering. So negative mental filtering focuses on negative situations and filters out positives. Negative details are magnified and then disqualifying the positive. So acknowledges the positives but refuses to accept it. 
finds excuses to turn it into a negative one. So and a good example of that, and I actually did this the, the other day myself. Somebody said that I looked nice, I looked well, I was going somewhere. No, I don't, I look a mess. Mm-hmm. Straight out, look a mess. And uh, putting a negative spin on that. But then also, like, if if like you're going to do something and there's like I like a, I had a meeting um with my son's teacher and the hospital the other day and I was automatically thinking like the worst I always do and I'd already been told that he'd been doing really well and that there was nothing going that everything was on track with his treatment and stuff yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking, well, all this has gone wrong. Something else is going to go wrong. And it's it's really hard to break that cycle. Uh, so number three, overgeneralization. Hang on a sec. We'll go back real quick. Um, disqualifying the positive. I just wanted uh-huh. to touch on that one. That is um, something that affects, all, I would venture to guess, at least 95% of this room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, disqualifying the positive uh we all do that and uh, Gemma was touching on a little something uh nobody likes um positive critique uh if, if you hear you get an attaboy and it's just like what do you do it's like us standing uh on the front apron at the firehouse and and somebody walks by and says hey man thank you so much for what you do and you're just stunned like, well, what do, what do I say back? You know, like I usually just say thank you. You know, but uh, you you, are, you think about it as any way any way you can beat down all of the positive to make things a negative. Oh, this is so bad. It's always bad, you know, kind mm. of thing. Betty says. It's really hard, especially if those views are validated at any point. Yes, indeed. All right, I'm sorry, Gemma. Go ahead. Over generalization. Yeah, over generalization. So that focuses on a single event and makes a conclusion based on the single piece of negative evidence. Incorrectly conclude all similar events going forward and will result in the same negative experience. So that's literally just what I said about the surgery. Yes. Like, because it went wrong this time for me, it's going to go wrong next time. They're never going to get it right. Yes. Probably they will. They're not surely going to make the same mistake twice. But if I go in there thinking that, you know, it just affects the whole day then. and Absolutely. You know, it can be with anything. You can do that with anything. Um. Jumping to conclusions. So mind reading, this is one I do an awful lot. Mm-hmm. Um, n- assuming that you know what other people are thinking and assumptions of their intentions occur with no evidence. And fortune telling. So making conclusions and predictions with no evidence that can have a negative outcome. This is another so- one here where everybody is mm. guilty. Um, we all do it. It, it's completely, uh, it's normal. It's normal mm-hmm. to uh, feel like you're, you're almost taking a little bit of the, the, what you've been through and forecasting it into what's to come. Hey, Michael Joseph Murray, thank you for the bits. The 899 biddies. Thank you so much, Michael. Really appreciate it. Uh, again, folks, as always, every time anybody uh, cheers, bits, um, subs, or uh, shares out anything to help out the show, everything that you guys do for us, it goes right back into the show. We want to make mm-hmm. this show the best show that it can be. Um, so thank you so much, Michael. We really appreciate that. Um, and it is um, a very amazing thing that you guys keep supporting. Uh, mm-hmm. 
this this show. Forty four episodes strong now. Um, but back into it. Uh, jumping to conclusions is is a um, a huge one. Everybody does it. We all uh, we all take a little bit from the past to forecast the future. You know, fortune telling, as it says right there. Uh, I know this is going to happen because it happened five seconds ago. You know. Mm -hmm. Go mm -hmm. ahead, Emma. Yeah, and you did it with the hamster earlier, but you it wasn't unfounded. It, it did start as soon as we hit go live. It did start, so that was right. an unfounded <laughs> one. <laughs> but it was a kind anyway. of distortion. You're right. Yeah. Oh dear. Um. So catastrophizing. So magnification is over-exaggerating, which leads to worries escalating to the worst-case scenario, and minimization, so minimizing the positive experiences and the importance of positive quali qualities are diminished. Uh, so, again, like, if something bad has happened, focusing on that, making it more of a thing, making it more prominent than it needs to be, rather than acknowledging that it's happened and moving on from that, focusing on that, mm. making it a huge thing so that the whole thing is focused on this thing that happened. And then it becomes this big thing that consumes the entire like the noise that this hamster's making it's pulled a biscuit out of its cheek and it's rattling around the ball you catastrophize the thing uh yeah. damn hamster is going to ruin the show uh you know every every week he's going to ruin the show it's just catastrophizing so yeah perfect i'm gonna get the biscuit out in a minute <laughs> right um he's pulled a biscuit out of his little pouch thing and it's rattling around the ball honestly Right, so number six, personalization. And that's taking things personally, which causes a direct and personal reaction to what others say or do, even if it's unrelated. So assuming that you have been intentionally excluded or targeted. And that is sometimes really easy to do. And I find that the easiest thing to do with that is to, like, Say, for example, like we're all online now and at the moment you can hear how me and Tim are speaking because you can hear our tone. Mm -hmm. But when you are, say, for example, reading a message, you can't interpret the tone that has gone into that message. So assuming that the way that that message is written is potentially a bad thing and then going and thinking that oh like they they meant that in a bad way they might not have done uh but by like focusing on that and saying that it's it's bad they meant to do that they're targeting me and things like that you can't always really understand how somebody means something on text and even if it's not in um in text form even if it's in person and things like just somebody could be having a bad day, for example, it might not be aimed personally. And, yeah. you know, like uh, there's so many things we touched on it when, uh, when we did uh, the bullying discussion and things yeah. like that. So personalization is uh, something that affected me very uh, quite a bit. I personalized everything. I thought everything was my fault. Um, I just, I couldn't get past the fact that if I texted somebody or I called somebody and they didn't answer, well, did I piss them off? Did I uh, do something to uh, ruin our friendship? Um, am I a bad person? You know, all these thoughts, these racing thoughts going through your head thinking, what did I do wrong? Mm -hmm. um, it, that is personalization at its best. Um, oh yeah, I, I, the, I was the worst at that, and I would guilt myself over and over and over and over again, and it, uh, it just it hurt so much on the inside. Um, yeah, yeah, to the point where I just, 
I still put on a, a friendly face and I still go out and make friends and stuff. But on the inside, I'm thinking everybody hates me, um, you know, mm -hmm. and it's just one of those things that, you know, we all kind of go through a little bit. Um, yeah. And my, like Michael said, uh, mm -hmm. ghosting, uh, you think you've been ghosted. Maybe that's not the case at all. Like, but yeah. it, it, it definitely becomes a personal thing um and i was i was horrible with that and it would eat me alive inside mm -hmm. and i really couldn't that that it was one of the reasons one of the core reasons i was drinking so much was to just get that confidence back up and mm -hmm. um uh you know try and have some kind of um some kind of confidence out there like mm -hmm. I just thought I was the worst. Anyway, uh, continuing on. Yeah, I'm really bad at that even now. Yeah. Um, I overthink stuff. Number of times you've said to me, like <laughs> even recently, you know, don't overthink it. Anyway, number seven, blaming. So blaming others, playing a victim role and holding others responsible for their pain. Blame is external rather than blaming themselves or taking some responsibility. So I think we probably all know somebody like that. I've just dealt with that myself with somebody that no matter what happens with them, like it's always somebody else's fault. And it was a very toxic friendship. We discussed this in toxic relationships, didn't we? Where there are people that will always blame somebody else or blame something on somebody else. And to recognize that and to try and distance yourself from that before it ends up consuming you as well. So if you see that behavior in somebody, usually it's very difficult to change somebody and that does that without like saying that we should change people um at the end of the day change has got to happen from within mm -hmm. no matter what it is so yeah. if somebody is doing that and they are being destructive in that sense the best thing you can do i feel is to distance yourself from that behavior at the very least and if that means distancing yourself from that person, if it becomes too destructive, then that has to be for your own mental well-being. Then that has to be the case. Yes. Um, anything you want to say on that one? Um, not really. Uh, I like what Michael had to say here. Self-medicating is the worst way to deal with mental health issues. Um, Definitely. It is. Um, well, I mean... Is it the worst way? I, I think we can come up with some bad things. Uh, however, I was very entrenched in self-medicating myself. And, uh, you know, it, it could have gone down to a, a level of death um, or a passive death wish. I've spoke on that before. Mm -hmm. it's just um yeah it's it's not good stuff the the self-medicating is is also something that kind of sneaks up like you don't realize that's what you're doing mm -hmm. yeah, you think you're out drinking and having a good time with friends really you're you're self-medicating yeah uh, i just want to um pick up on what hattie's put there you're probably gonna do the same like I think sometimes people like will blame other people and say that they are at fault to deflect from their own insecurities and own things that are going on inside. Like if there is, for example, like if they are doing something like drinking or whatever, and they not necessarily know that it's wrong, but to, to in their own mind allow it to continue, then they will blame other people for that behavior um, or for something so that it doesn't feel as bad for them, I guess. Yep. Okay. Moving right along. 
But we right. are up to number eight there. Number eight, yeah, labeling. So assign judgment to yourself or others based on one negative incident instead of recognizing you or others made a mistake. You attach a label that is exaggerated and solely based on that single incident. Mm -hmm. Again, that was covered with some of the other things that we've said, like it's pretty self-explanatory, that one. Yes. Um, and a lot of these do start to uh, kind of sound mm. similar if you if you pay attention. They, um, they do uh, have little bits of, of similarities, but there are uh, massive differences. Always being right. Yeah. Um, so always have the need to be right. I'll just close that off. Internalize options as facts and we'll put others on trial to prove their opinions are correct. And we'll go to lengths to demonstrate that belief. So like people like that can't usually have a healthy debate. They have to be right. Sure. Um, will absolutely argue the toss until they get the final word. It can be very, very destructive to have a discussion with somebody like that sometimes because what you think is just maybe potentially a healthy debate, which there's nothing wrong with things like that, mm -hmm. it can become like point scoring and they can't let it go. They've got to have the last word. They've got to prove their point and they will go to any length to do that. Absolutely. Um, should statements. I'm very good at this. Yes. So these should... next two, uh, Gemma, these next two, I want to hit pretty hard. Uh, they're big, big mm -hmm. Uh, as big as jumping to conclusions. So we can take a good look at these. Yeah. So should statements, should do, must do, or shouldn't do statements are enforced on themselves or others. These rules create a lot of pressure, imposing a set of expectations that is not likely to be met. Like, when I say I'm good at that, like, I'm always saying, I'm always like I I should have done that like thinking about what you've done um, like oh, thinking about things that's happened throughout the day and then like oh well I should have done this or I should have done that and it's always completely different to what you have done so overthinking about the things that have happened in that day um, like say with my appointment and stuff I came out of there and thought oh I should have said this I should have said that and it's always there's always something that you're thinking like I should have done this I should have done that and it's always very different to actually how the reality was of that thing whatever it is and like even to the other extreme of having done something on then you'd be like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have done that. And yeah, there's okay. It's all right in thinking over things. And maybe yeah, if you realize you've made a mistake and maybe you shouldn't have said something and you feel guilt for that, that's fine. But constantly doing it where it becomes destructive and pulling yourself apart over things that even things you had absolutely no control over, and then that becomes quite destructive yeah, and yeah. destructive behavior that continues. Should, could, would. Uh, I believe we kind of hit that a little bit earlier, um, maybe even last week. Um, sh the should statements, uh, they'll just haunt you. They'll haunt you. Um, there's no such thing as should. Is basically what it was told uh, to us uh, back when I was at the center. Um, but Gemma hit it pretty good there. So uh, I do want to talk a little bit about emotional reasoning, Gemma, if you wouldn't mind taking us through that one. Uh, yeah. So yeah, emotional reasoning. 
reasoning even. Any feeling must be true in their mind. The emotion is accepted as fact because all logical reasoning is blocked out, incorrectly assumes the negative feeling is the only truth. Yes. So uh, this one is another one like jumping to conclusions. We can all agree that we uh, are guilty of forecasting, you know, fortune telling. Um, this happened, so this is definitely going to happen, that kind of thing. Emotional reasoning is um, you, you, you believe something on a hunch, you know. There's mm -hmm. no actual, you know, backing to it, but you have a gut feeling on it. And damn it, this is the way it's going to be. Um, so it's just another, it's a big one. Emotional reasoning is um, that I see that, you know, the world around or all of us that, you know, like to talk about these things um, can take a second and, and think, huh, yeah, I do that a lot. Emotional reasoning. You believe something on a hunch and and fight to the death for it. Um, but that was uh, one that I just really wanted to touch on. Mm -hmm. so, uh, take us through the last couple and we'll... Uh... Yeah, so number 12, control facilities. So external control facility. So life is completely controlled by external factors creates a feeling of no control over the situation. An internal control facility has a control of themselves and surrounding responsibilities for pain and happiness of others. Um, do you want to explain? Uh, go ahead. I'm okay, good. no worries. So um, again, it's like just a, a little example of that one. So it's like saying that kind of like you have no control over things and expecting that everything will be controlled by things that are out of your control if that makes sense like yeah. you you have like expecting that you have absolutely no control over what you do and no control over anything that you say that everything's going to be controlled for you like depending on your situations, like when we spoke about relationships and things, if you are in a relationship that is like that, then yes, okay, to get out of that, that's a completely different thing. But we all have some control over our own lives and over what we do as people. So it's to try and realise that and get out there and do that and yeah. that it's not completely set in stone our lives and the paths that it's going to take that we can control that you hit the nail on the head um hey jim <laughs> jim in chicagoland uh our good friend here at the mental uh -huh. health hour uh uh continuing forward we'll wrap these last uh few up yeah, get and through then all these quick yeah, get through these last couple, and I uh, want to go through this last slide. I'll take us through the last slide. Yeah, no worries. So this is the fallacy of change. So others should change to suit your interests. Pressures others to change because you feel that change will bring happiness. Convince the happiness is dependent on the person changing. So that would sum up uh, a narcissist, basically. Um. People that believe that someone has to change to suit them and that they have got to do what they want to fit in with their agenda would be deemed as a narcissist. Um, trying to spot that somebody is that and get out. We've discussed it in the previous episode of narcissists and things. Yes. Like, if, if you feel that that is relevant, I would, like, highly recommend going back and watching that. Reach out if you need to. Absolutely. Uh, fallacy of fairness. All things in life should be based on fairness and equality. In reality, not all things work out like that. And it leads to feelings of anger and resentment towards those things in life. I think when you realize that nothing in life is fair and that nothing in life is 
going to go exactly the way we want it and that we as people are the ones that have to go out and change that and make that happen unfortunately the world is a very unjust place mm-hmm. but until we can go out there and make friends and do things and try and put our stamp on the world then you know the world's going to be a very different difficult place unless you can like go out and do something yeah and then number 15 heaven's reward fallacy so base rewarded based on how hard you work you will be disappointed because most things in reality isn't fair this leads to feelings of frustration anger and resentment so again like obviously like you've got to work hard for things to to get things in life it's not just going to come knocking at your door you're not just going to be sat in your house somebody's going to come and knock at your door give you a load of money and say here you go you know you've made it in life go spend it whatever yes you have to go out there and get that you have to go out and do that and success unfortunately some people do seem to get it a lot easier than others it that's just the way life is but again like trying not to harbor that anger and resentment and go out and do something with your life you know that that's the only way you can really do it you know yep thank you Gemma, for uh taking us through those 15 cognitive distortions so mm-hmm. as we uh, look at these, they all kind of mingle, kind of work together. They mm-hmm. look a little similar. Uh, there, there are big differences in a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But um, the, the main, um, I guess the main motif, the, the, the theme here that we want to get across is that uh, the negative thinking and usually irrational negative thinking is what gets us into the bad behaviors, the bad patterns, the bad uh, thought processes. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're constantly, our brain is, is always working, especially when we lay down to go to bed at night. And you shut the lights off and you're thinking about the day uh, and what happened and what did I do wrong and what did I do to hurt somebody and, you know, did I hurt somebody's feelings? Did I do this? Did I do that? Mm -hmm. Your your Monday morning quarterbacking your entire day and cognitively just messing with yourself. Mm Mm-hmm. In the process, you're just eating yourself alive. And these cognitive distortions that we just went through are clear as day. Uh, You can see. Now, like I said, I want to run through this last slide. Um, Here's a a couple of examples of cognitive distortions versus what an actual rational thought would be. So really think of a cognitive distortion as an irrational thought. So the cognitive distortion on bullet point one, I must get everything done on my list to feel accomplished. I must, I must get everything done on my list to feel accomplished. Looking at it rationally, uh, we, I have accomplished so much today. It's okay to leave some tasks for tomorrow, right? Um, that, that right there is just, uh, it's not necessarily a lean back, um, laissez faire kind of attitude. It's, it's more, let's look at it rationally. I fear others won't like me if I don't do as they ask mm. rationally. People have many reasons to dislike. I cannot control that. I must protect my time and energy. See, there we understand that we can't control what others think. It's, it's a beautiful thing uh, when you think about it rationally versus irrationally. Um, the cognitive distortion here is I'm going to screw this up. Rationally, it's 
I'm assuming the worst before even trying. What if I succeed? Mm -hmm. We just talked about that. We just talked about that. Um, and it, it, it just happened on the, uh, on the stream. If I make a mistake, I will lose my worth and value. Rationally, it's making a mistake does not make me worthless. I'm a human. Coming to terms with the fact that you, everybody's human. We all make mistakes. But the depressed person uh, cognitively distorts it into, if I make a mistake, if I fuck up, I'm a constant fuck up for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. You know? And that's just over and over again. I am a fuck up. And mm -hmm. nobody... Nobody will hire me. Let's look at another one. I'd rather not share my opinion. People will laugh at or criticize me. I'd rather not share my opinion. People will laugh at it or criticize me. So this can be about anything, politics, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm jumping to conclusions here. This is the rational thought. My opinion is just as important as everyone else in this room. Mm -hmm. Think about that for a second. That's very true. Your opinion matters just as much as anybody else in that room. Oh, yeah. Nobody else has a better opinion than you. Everybody's opinion mm -hmm. is on the same level. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even if you don't agree, it doesn't make anyone, anybody else's opinion less valid or any less, you know, like valid. Yeah. You don't have, we don't agree on everything in life. And lastly, how did I not notice that error? I'm an idiot. How, how many times do we say that? I'm an idiot. Rational thought. Yes, I made an error, but I am careful most of the time. This does not make me an idiot. Mm -hmm. Right? Yes, I made an error. But most of the time, I'm careful. This does not make me an idiot. Now, this is something that I had to come to terms with. I had to grip this. I had to understand this. And it, it, it it's hard to uh, get it. At first, mm -hmm. it really is. I'm not gonna lie, I didn't understand because I and I to this day I still feel these cognitive distortions. Mm -hmm. But we have to understand that when they pop up, when they come up, when you're calling yourself an idiot, take a second to step back and think, Am I really an idiot? Does my opinion not matter more than that guy? You know? Let's take a look at the chat. Because I've been uh, on a diatribe here. You're all right. I'm on it. <laughs> <laughs> my parent called me stupid a lot. I had undiagnosed dyslexia. 100% true. This is my husband to a T. Hattie, which one? helping me understand things a lot better. Hattie, I, I'd love to know which one uh, got you. Uh, because it really does uh, make a lot of sense if you think about it. it, it it's just you have, to, you have to retrain your brain a little bit to take a step back and, and you're not an idiot. You know that. It's easy to call yourself an idiot, right? But you're not. You made a mistake. It's the same exact thing as with what we went through with this trauma therapy with my divorce. And I had to uh, I had to literally re-rationalize my failed marriage. I had a failed marriage. I'm a failure. I failed okay mm -hmm. no 
hours of therapy and uh, talking and figuring things out later, I come out on the other side with this was an unsuccessful marriage. I didn't fail anything. I am 50% responsible for 100% of that marriage. Mm -hmm. Or I am 100% responsible for 50% of that marriage that failed. I put everything on myself. Mm -hmm. And that was wrong. That was really wrong. And I drug my ass through the dirt over it. And uh, came out on the other side uh, after self-medicating, as Michael Joseph Murray uh, was talking about earlier. And I, I handled it incorrectly. Cognitive distortions uh, everywhere. There, <laughs> I mean, my life was a mess. But at the end of the day, I came out on the other side with a rational thought that my marriage was just unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. I was unsuccessful in marriage. That doesn't make me an idiot. That doesn't make me a failure. And it doesn't mean that every one of them's going to fail because look at you now. Yeah. You know? And now I'm in a my second marriage and we're doing very well about to have a baby. Mm -hmm. Stoked. And I can't tell everybody uh, or I can't tell you how happy I am. My heart is full now. Mm -hmm. I was in a, a toxic situation uh, before. Mm -hmm. However, I was doing it, a lot of it to myself with these cognitive distortions. That's what I want to get everybody. That's what I want this show to resonate with. Cognitive distortions can take you down. Mm -hmm. I'm still there with the relationship side of things. But I think that's because I've been single for so long as well. I've struggled with that. To the point where, in my mind, I'm still saying I'm not ever having another relationship. In my heart, I'd like to think that that isn't the end of it, but I've got to still work between that. And there's no set time for that to, um, for that to like heal. What I don't want to do is rush the process and end up in another failed relationship. Because now I've got my son to think of as well. Yeah. So I want to make sure that I'm ready if and when that does happen. You know? Absolutely. Well, thank you. Dimmy, Dimmy, thank you for the 400 bits. Uh, very nice of you to join us. There's Dimmy. Dimmy, Dimmy. Uh, Eric, good to see you. Craig, good day. And Molly's still here. And Hannah. Uh, I saw Hannah and Hannah. Yeah. Hannah. Sis. As Blaine and Wilson say. Or as <laughs> Sis. Um, it's good to see everybody. Thanks for stopping in. Please catch the replay if uh, you uh, if you want to uh, learn more about cognitive distortions. Sorry, I was getting tangled there. Um. We are wrapping up the show tonight. Uh, that was a very good episode. I enjoyed it. CBT is so special. And it's awesome. Cognitive behavioral therapy. We got to throw more about this in the Discord. We have to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and it breaks down into a bunch of different other things. But the, 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 the meat and potatoes of it is your thoughts produce these feelings. Produce behaviors and you get in this vicious if it's if it's negative thoughts you're going to have those negative feelings mm -hmm. and then I mean you're just going to emit the negative behaviors so anywho that is my story for this week that is Gemma's story for this week mm -hmm. um, 
we are going to close up shop here. Let's talk a little bit about bunnies. Mm -hmm. www.mybunnyvalentine.com Ella, the bunny mom, here on Twitch. Good friend of mine, good friend of Jennifer, good friend of all of yours. Yes. Oh, oh, and, 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 on the yeah. back. Stickers and everything. Stickers, badges, bunnies. Bunnies. Go <laughs> to mybunnyvalentine.com. Use the promo code FIREDUDE15. Um, and please get yourself some Easter gifts. Mm -hmm. uh, enjoy. Help support Ella and her mission to rescue bunnies everywhere. We love our Ella. Um, and please help her out. Um, just please remember everything mental health hour is over at bio.link slash TMHH.